Now, I believe that this will be a bit of a scary message. Um, so Bruce said to me, uh, you know, we're looking forward to the heresy that you bring. <laughs> uh, this one is, there's no edginess to it. It's a pretty straight down the line message, actually. Um, there's nothing sort of tricky about it. But firstly, I'd like to tell you about something that happened in 2007. Uh, in 2007, we had just started working with Partners Relief and Development, and someone said to, to me, would I like to head up our work with the Shan people? The Shan people are a, an unreached people group of about 8 million uh, up in the northeast of Myanmar or Burma. And just prior to me engaging in this, we had had rumours of them burning Bibles uh, because uh, they had had some interaction with some rather aggressive missions on the border and they felt like they had, had experienced some spiritual abuse. And so these, these missionaries had sent up all these Bibles to this, this Shan camp, the, the main camp that actually Claire Russell works in, uh, and in this camp uh, is the head of the Shan State Army. Uh, he's, he's a guy who is in charge of about 20,000 men. And his role is to protect his people from the violent factions within the Burma army who basically run amok. And so this is the kind of guy who, who when you uh, meet him, he kind of seems a bit like a granddad. He's been to my house for Christmas dinner and my kids have sat on his lap and he's gone through all our photo albums and we've talked. He actually, he, we get on so well with him, he asked me if I would bring his son, his young 10-year-old son, on a trip to New Zealand with me on one of these tours. Um, and uh, we were sitting with, uh, uh, we're sitting with these guys uh, one time and I remember him saying, uh, who's that man over there? And he wasn't pointing to me, he was pointing to another guy. He was a guy who'd come, kind of come with our team. And this guy who'd come with our team, he, he uh, was helping get some things off the back of the truck. This guy didn't recognise him. Uh, security risk. Uh, these, these are guys who regularly have people trying to assassinate them. It's a very hot area of the world. And Joe Yodzik said to his security guy, take him away and kill him. Uh, that's the kind of situation that we, we started off in in Shan State. Now, fortunately, we said, no, 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 he's one of ours. You can trust him. It's okay. Back in those days, uh, we actually had to walk in 10, 10 hours. So as you can see, I'm a specimen of um, health and fitness, uh, which is not true at all. Uh, but, you know, we had to walk in with backpacks into, the, into this, uh, this area in the foothills of the Himalayas. And we also had to start making connections and relationships with these people. And I had talked to the, the head of the Shan State Army. I said, your people are suffering. The average age of death is 42 years old. Uh, you're under constant oppression. People are being uh, raped. Villages are being pillaged. What can we do to serve you? He said, well, you're not coming to evangelize us, are you? Like those other people. He said, we are coming to serve you and love you. 
And, and he said, well, what we need is medics. We have no doctors for anything in the area that we're working for, almost 8 million people. So can you imagine what a community is like with no doctors? Well, people just die of the most basic things. Boy, that light's bright, isn't it? I said, ooh, is there any way we could turn that down a little? Just sort of, maybe not. Okay. Anyway, if anyone knows how to turn it down a fraction, that would be awesome. Um, so we, we uh, uh, I remember the first time that I went up to this camp, they put me in a hut, uh, uh, sort of a one, two, three, four rooms alongside each other, and it was the home of one of the generals. Uh, his name was Jao Sili. Big furry eyebrows like this. Another kind of grandfatherly kind of guy. But you, you kind of got to be a little bit careful when you meet these people because you're thinking, hmm. Oh, another time I was um, sleeping next to a guy. He was the head of the Kareni Resistance Army. And uh, before we went to sleep, I said to him, we were having a conversation, and I said, B2, how many men have you killed in your life? And he said, 42. He knew exactly the number. Well, that's sobering, isn't it? And as I'm lying there next to him, he's snoring like crazy. <laughs> and, and I'm thinking, now, I'd really like to just poke him. You know how you can just move someone and they'll stop snoring? <laughs> so I'd just like to poke him a little bit. And then I thought, 43, no, nah, not a good idea. <laughs> um, so this is the situation that we started uh, this medical work in. And one of the core values that was important to us is, are we going to be able to make a difference? Are we going to be able to do more than just teach medicine? Are we actually, is the gospel actually going to start moving in this community? Is there, is there any hope that we can actually get through to these people? Because they're pretty annoyed with Christians right now. Uh, but a few years later, seven years later, uh, when they built houses for us, uh, we're very careful about how we share. Very, very soft and gentle, I hope. Uh, they carved crosses in the walls for us. Uh, because they know exactly what we're about. And, and more recently, a few people have started to respond. But I'd like to tell you a story of one man. His name was Sai Lun. He is probably one of the brightest, smartest, amazing young men that I have ever met. And he's had almost no opportunity in his life to study. He's... Uh, he's very, very fluent in English, which was helpful because I spoke Thai when I started up there, but Shan is a different language. So I was just starting to learn Shan language as well. And, uh, and so I met this guy. And as we sat in this room, this, this, this room the general's quarters, uh, I remember lying there in my sleeping bag and Silurn knocked on the door. And he comes in and he sits in the corner of the room and he starts talking with me. And we start this conversation that lasts several hours. And there's something unusual about him. He's clearly very, very effeminate. Um, I'm sort of feeling a little bit uncomfortable that he's sitting in the room there with me. I'm just sort of wondering, well, you know, uh, what's this guy here for? 
And then he starts asking about the Lord. This is the first time we ever got up here. He says, look, I want to know some more stuff about God. And I can't remember the full details of what I shared with him that time, but, but we, I shared some very straight-up stuff with him. And uh, about five years later, uh, we had worked with him. He'd been part of our program. Uh, he'd been part of translating with us. Uh, at that time, when I first met him, he was an alcoholic at the age of 18. Uh, he was very promiscuous with both males and females. Um, and the reason for that is that from the age of 10 until he was 13, he was repeatedly raped every day for three years. Um, and he was very confused about his identity. So roll on a few years, and suddenly I hear he's gone into Burma, he's met this pastor somewhere, got, got, went from the border into the center of Burma, uh, he had to go in to get a passport. And he met this pastor, and within two days he's baptized. Boom, decides to come to faith. Well, wow, how did that happen, Lord? I didn't even expect it. Well, we get back together with him, and he goes, you realize that you guys are the reason that I made that decision. Um, now, I didn't get to have the, the fun of baptizing him or, you know, ticking off the checklist or whatever. But God used us in that process. And um, nowadays, he's working uh, in Chiang Mai, and he is a Bible translator, and he, is, um, he does evangelism in uh, in refugee communities or migrant communities all over Chiang Mai. He's involved all along the border. Um, Really special guy. Uh, Coming out of that background, as you can imagine, was a bit wild. Uh, We had him staying in our house for, what was it, a month, Carrie? Carrie will remember this very well because he was sleeping in the lounge and things were going haywire in his brain. He was catatonic for weeks. He was like this as he tried to work out how things worked. He's come to faith, and, and now all of the things that he'd self-medicated with over the years, they didn't work anymore. He wasn't able to use them anymore. So, and so we got him to counselling, and we found, you know, found some, the one counsellor in Thailand who could actually do it. And, and um, anyway, he's going great guns these days. Okay, so what's the point of the story? What I'd like you to think about all of the different things that God had to get into place in order to get me into that little hut to start sharing with Siloon. And then I'd like you to think about all of the different other people, Ken and Alison, the doctors up in, in uh, Loitalang, Claire Russell, other people that uh, you probably don't know the names of who come and volunteered and have been involved in that that work and connecting with him and interacting with him. A girl called Kara, who, who got really alongside him. Uh, she was a, not even, even, she was just struggling with her own faith and we put her up, up in this camp. We just felt like God was saying that that's what she, we should do. And she became friends with this guy and they both ended up rubbing off in each other and she's got a great faith now as well. Uh, and what did it take for God to take all of those different things in order to make something happen? 
Now, we talk about gifts, and what we think about, usually when we talk about gifts in church, we think about the supernatural things. Think about the things that are going to go, wow, you know. But actually, our gifts are everything that we have. Uh, We have personalities, we have skills, we have spiritual gifts, we have all sorts of history and, and stuff that we've learned over the years, and we bring that with us in this package that's called us. And so uh, sometimes what we're looking for is a magic bullet. We kind of want to go, okay, God, if you give me this gift, I will be awesome. Well, actually, no, he's given you like heaps of gifts. He's like given you a whole Christmas tree of gifts, and they're all in here. Now, I just was, sorry, I've just um, got to go back to my notes, make sure I'm on track. Uh, I'm not very good at this memorizing thing. Don't you like it? Uh, Today I'm reading from the smartphone, uh, chapter one. It's kind of weird not having, but this is a great way when we're on the road. I just was, I listed some of the things that the gifts or the things that God had put together in order to get me into that situation. Um, A love for cross culture. I was raised in Tolaga Bay. Uh, Who knows where Tolaga Bay is? Up the coast, we call it $2 Bay. Uh, and so I was one of only just a handful of uh, Pakia kids in my class. And so I grew up loving people from other cultures. Uh, I grew up sort of this, this mixed thing. And so God prepared me right from very early on to be cross-cultural. Um, I trained at pharmacy school. Uh, I couldn't have been involved in starting up a medical program without having been in pharmacy school. Um, I have a gift of word of knowledge. Sometimes uh, I just get an intuition and I say something and it's bang on. Last time I used it, <laughs> I did it in a church and I got really trounced for it because I was spot on on, a, on, a, on, on an issue and um, it really touched a, a hot spot in the church. <laughs> I was just talking to someone the other night and they said, you know, that was bang on. <laughs> but sometimes it's not easy to use that gift. Um, I'm an extrovert. Um, Linda will know, for years I've always been a little bit of a nutty sort of person. Linda and I used to flat when we were at pharmacy school, flat together. Um, and uh, so I'm an extrovert, and that means that it's very easy for me to connect with people. Uh, I get more energy out of hanging out with people than with being by myself. Hey, who of you have ever done a Myers-Briggs personality type test? If you have, put your hand up. If you haven't, I would really encourage you to do it as a church because what it does is it, it helps you to understand that everybody's different and everybody's got different personalities and then you go, hey, this person's got this skill and this person's got that skill and this person's got this weakness and that, that weakness and you just kind of understand each other. Um, and there are lots of other tests that you can do as well. But anyway, for those who know Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP. Um, now, I'm not, the next thing I was thinking about what, what did God require was actually kind of about 35 or close to 40 years back then, close to 40 years of life skills, uh, which is basically wisdom. You know, learning what things do and don't work, uh, trying to filter through uh, God's filter, you know, uh, what I should and shouldn't say how I should act in a particular situation. Here's a guy who's 
obviously very promiscuous and gay, sitting in the corner of a room, and I'm sitting there talking, you know, how do I deal with that? Um, and, and not sort of, you know, have anybody spreading rumours, <laughs> um, this kind of thing. Um, another gifting that I think I personally have is a, is a gift of empathy. I'm very a- able to sort of, you know, feel what other people are feeling. And so that's something that I was able to use in that situation. And, and another thing is not really a gift, but it's something that I've learned, and it's kind of a, it's a fruit of the Spirit, really. Uh, um, although it is a, I think it's actually listed as one of the gifts as well, the gift of faith, uh, one of the spiritual gifts. Uh, just to be able to say stuff and realize that what I was saying actually had some power and I needed to then leave that in God's hands. Uh, and sometimes, you know, you're in a situation, I, I will never forget. I don't know why some things really stick in your head, right? Uh, but I never forget, we were actually flatting in Joseph Grove uh, and I was walking through uh, Upper Hutt about where the Westpac Bank is now and I think we were trying to do some street evangelism or something nuts like that. I think we were dressed as clowns or something dumb. Do you, you remember those kind of crazy things we used to do? Uh, and I remember distinctly a woman standing on the other side of the zebra crossing and God said, go and talk to her. And I cannot explain why, but I just felt so afraid that I didn't do it. Uh, and, and to this day, this, it's just it's one of those events I feel like I really missed an opportunity. I, I don't know why, I don't know what would have happened. Um, but anyway, um, having a bit of faith... Uh, is very important as you do these things. Uh, so where did all these things come from? Where did, where did my giftings come from? Where do your giftings come from? Well, they come from experience, just uh, life. They come from training, or pharmacy or whatever other job you've done. Uh, they come from just growing up and stop being a little baby anymore and start acting like an adult. Uh, but sometimes being a baby is useful as well. Sometimes being a young person is useful. God will use you young folk to connect with people that oldies like me. I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> but, you know, older folk can't connect with. And older folk can connect with people in a different way than young people can connect. Um, uh, then there's spiritual impartation. I, you know, I've been to, to times in churches where people have prayed for me and, and, and I felt like these gifts have been imparted into me. And I've started to be able to operate. And, and as a church, I, I hope you're doing that. I, knowing who you are, I know that you're praying for each other. You're praying for the spiritual gifts to be manifest in your, your lives here. Um, another uh, area, another place that, that these skills or these giftings came from is suffering. You see, in 2003, my mum committed suicide. It was a long struggle with depression and alcoholism, and it caused me to suffer in a way that I cannot express. And those of you who've been through deep grief, you know what it does to you. And the end result is that you're able to connect with others. Now, I don't think God is the author of suffering. I think sin is the author of suffering. It's our walking away from God is the author of suffering. But God takes the suffering and he just refines something beautiful in us. And 
young folk, you know, I've, I think I've always said to my kids, um, you're going to suffer in life. That's just life. The rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Uh, but you can guarantee one thing as a follower of Jesus. It will work out well. <laughs> and, and at the end, you're going to come out with something that God is going to be able to use you with. Okay, and the last thing I put down here was age and wisdom again. Okay, so if you have a Bible or a smartphone, uh, you can turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And I promise you this is nearly actually the end of it. I did the Bible passage at the end, not at the beginning. Um, Luke 9, 23. If anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Today, what I want to leave with you, I want to share with you, is the key to getting all of those gifts actually working. Uh, You know, you can have all these gifts in your life Let's say, for example, um, your boss gave you a company car and said, I would like to use this for company business. I would like, it's yours to use, free of charge for company business. But you got in the car and you decided to go on a one-year joyride all around wherever you wanted to go. Uh, Would the car have been any use? No. Now, what if you talked to your boss and your boss said, uh, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to go from here to here to here and do these tasks along the way. At the end of your year with the company car, you would feel like, well, you actually achieved something. So you can either have a whole lot of fun with these gifts in your life. You can have fun with the fact that you are a beautiful person. You're a handsome person. You're a smart person. You can have fun with the things that make you who you are. Or you can say to the person who gave you those, what do you want me to do? Now, when I was at Bible college, uh, a man who's long passed away, his name was Stuart Dinan, probably the most fiery preacher I've ever heard, was Scottish. And he would preach with a Scottish accent like this. And he would preach on this passage, and he would, every time he preached, he would preach on this passage, and he would say, did you realize if you want to follow Jesus every day, you have to die? You don't live for yourself anymore. You live for him. And this is the key for getting all of these gifts that you're talking about, that you've been learning about this last month, actually working. They don't work unless you let God have control of them. They're absolutely useless if you have a gift of tongues and you go and do whatever you want with it. It's not like some magic thing. It's something that God wants you to use correctly. You have a gift of faith, but you don't use it. You park it in the garage somewhere. Absolutely useless. 
Uh, you, you have a gift of, of whatever skill you have in your life, and you don't use it for God, and you don't say, God, what do you want me to do with it? Guess what? Waste of time. An unopened gift. A useless gift. And, and I got, get the feeling, and what I do is when I come into churches now, I usually don't act very spiritual like I used to in the old days. Yeah, I used to come to the front and pretend like I was a spiritual preacher or whatever. What I do now is I like to sit in the back. And I look around and, and I try and get the feel, what's going on in this church? And I'm just reading between the lines and I might be totally wrong and you might want to hit me for this afterwards, okay? But, and if that's the case, I'm really sorry in advance and don't hurt me too much. <laughs> but I kind of get the feeling that the topic that you've got and the, the things that I've seen from the front and kind of a general feeling is that you're in a, you're in a bit of a sort of a axis point. You're in a place you go, we want to be more involved. We want to do more stuff. That's why we're teaching on the gifts. And, and so uh, right now, we're going to have, you, you, you're thinking, we're going to do some teaching on the gifts. Well, I will tell you that all of the teaching of the last month and whatever weeks you have ahead on the gifts are absolutely useless unless you say to Jesus, I don't belong to myself. I am yours. Uh, that gift will not work. Uh, those gifts will not work unless you actually, every day, wake up and say, I'm not my own. Uh, now, I want you to just think about the context in which Jesus said, uh, if you want to be my disciple, you must take up your cross daily and follow me. Because it was before Jesus had died. And people didn't even really understand that he was going to be dying on the cross. He kind of said that that was maybe going to happen. But he hadn't actually, no one had actually seen that. So no one had seen, oh, you know, G Jesus did it, so I'm going to do it. He was, saying, he was saying to these people, listen, every day, get up and take the lethal injection. He said, you're going to go and pick up a instru an instrument of execution. Now, I preached this. This was the very first sermon I ever preached in Thailand. Um, I was at a church, and the pastor didn't turn up, um, which I don't know if it's ever happened here, but anyway, that, that happened at this church. And they said, well, you're a Christian worker. Can you please get up and preach? <laughs> and I had about three minutes to prepare a sermon, but this thing has always been on my heart. So I got up, and I had a, a, a Thai girl. At that point, I wasn't fluent in Thai. Uh, I had a Thai girl translate for me. And I said, every day, Jesus wants you to take up your cross and die and follow me. And she translated it like this. Every day, you have to get up and commit suicide. <laughs> and it wasn't until afterwards I went back and looked up the words she'd said, and I thought, oh, I think that was a little bit wrong. Uh, but the problem is that actually in the Thai Bible, it translates it much more softly. It says... Uh, Refuse yourself. Uh, so kind of just refuse yourself. But actually, what Jesus said was, uh, commit spiritual suicide. Uh, he's actually saying, you don't belong to yourself anymore. And every day we have to fight this battle that lets us access God's direction in our lives.
Now, you, you and I all know that it's not as easy as it sounds. And, and I can say for myself, you know, there are some days I do better than others. Uh, and there are some directions in your life, uh, in my life, that I've done better than others. Um, am I, we, we used to call Linda Legs. <laughs> Legs was her nickname. Uh, and Legs, do you remember when I went to Hamilton? You probably don't remember this. <laughs> when I moved to Hamilton after pharmacy school. Uh, you see, I finished pharmacy school and God had already called me into cross-cultural work. And uh, there was a girl that I liked <laughs> and she lived in Hamilton. And uh, I applied for a job and I got one of the best jobs in the country with one of the top pharmacy guys. And so I went up there and I was on uh, 52 grand or something when I was 21 uh, it was huge money back then. And for six months, I lived a life of absolute hell. <laughs> because I had in my mind what God wanted me to do. And he wanted me to have a successful job and be right at the top of the pharmacy game. And I kind of thought the girl might be included in the process. <laughs> and actually, the whole time, the hound of heaven chased me. <laughs> And God would not let me go until one day I rang up friends in Wellington. I said, I'm just feeling so miserable. And they said, we're just praying and we've just been talking about you right now. And we want to offer you to come and work as a youth worker over in Parramatta for $11,000 a year. (laughs) And, you know, I handed them my notice immediately uh, because it's not nice being out of God's will. Where does all this go for you guys? Uh, Well, I have actually never done an altar call. Um, uh, And I'm not even sure if it's going to work. But I know that some of you are probably feeling like you just need to give up your lives to God another time. And so I would like to um, ask my partner's team to come up here. I'm sorry to keep, I mean, everything's random with us. Uh, but I would like to ask these guys to um, be willing to pray for anybody who would like prayer. Um, and so can, can we have, um, who's that really cool guitarist? That was, I was really enjoying the sort of U2 sounds going on there. Can we, can we have a little bit of music? Because um, I would like to spend 10 minutes. If there are people who would like us to pray for you, uh, and you would like to just give up your gifts to God, then I would like to do that for you. And, and, and can I just give the elders right to override this? Um, if you would like me not to do this, I'm cool with that too. Um, come on up, Bruce. Hope I'm not in trouble. <laughs> oh, no, you're doing the music. Awesome, thank you. Okay. So, um, yeah, if we could just play some music, uh, and I will uh, just lead in prayer. And if some of you would like to come up front and just give everything up to God and say, I don't want to live for myself anymore. Uh, If you're not a believer and you would like to follow Jesus, I can tell you it's the most amazing, joy-filled, peaceful ride. Um, And if you are a believer, we can do this every day of your life. 
So, yeah, please, uh, if you guys wouldn't mind playing something, and then we'll just go into a time of prayer. And, uh, yeah, this is all new to me, by the way, so please be patient. Okay.